African some tradition. We used to wear wools, right? We used to wear adipo skin. I'm sorry. And look at them at the zoo. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Why are you laughing? I thought she was going to say we used to be butt naked outside. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why that's what came to my mind. Back to episode four of Next Stop Africa. I am your gracious host, Amy Kikoma. I'm Congolese, and I'm here with my beautiful co-host, Benny. She's from Rwanda. We have two special guests here with us today. First one, you guys know, Ludin, uh, Mr. Dominican, Puerto Rican. And we have here with us today, Shane. He's a Ghanaian and Jamaican. Did I get that right? Mm-hmm. Nice. Uh, real quick, make sure you guys listen to episode three, which was on stolen artifacts and culture. Uh, it was a interesting conversation. There were a lot of different point of views. Ludin didn't have <laughs> much input. <laughs> I'm going to need you to stop exposing me, okay? It wasn't my place to talk. I didn't feel qualified to talk. So I let y'all talk. So excuse me for being respectful. <laughs> a little defensive. But, um. Violence. Ty- if that's what it's called. Uh, typically I usually have like a, I don't know, some type of story to kind of segue into the topic. But actually, I have one thing if I can. Mm. So yesterday I found out. So I live in the middle of nowhere. I live in literally the middle of the country. In, let me be nice, in Omaha. So I actually found out there's actually a entire Latino population that lives here. And they have this, uh, non-for-profit organization that helps young adults, kids and adults, uh, with their literacy, getting a GED, getting all these different things. And you have volunteers come in. They have like all events. They have fundraisers. And like yesterday was like their 50 year anniversary. And it started with a small group of Mexican-Americans that were, you know, trying to kind of go against like the whole, uh, I forget what they mentioned. It was like this whole kind of episode that was going on really back early on. They were trying to combat it with, you know, making sure kids stay in school, you know, getting the education they need and all these different things. So I actually found that out yesterday and I was like, wow, I didn't know that was a thing over here. So seeing that made me really happy. So I'm uh, I'm gonna start volunteering over there. So uh, your boy can help out his fellow, his fellow Latinos and Latinas. So so nice. That's really good. Um, I also do volunteer a little bit. <laughs> I'm not. It's not a competition. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I volunteer a little bit. I volunteer at a refugee center in Albany. I do. You know, we did build a, a playground last year. So. <laughs> You got some big, big shoes to fill, Luda, but I'm glad you're out here doing God's work. I can't stand you. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I think uh, with that, we can kind of start off today's topic. It's the long-awaited topic. Um, A lot of people avoided this topic because they weren't weren't comfortable with talking about fashion because they felt that they didn't. They didn't have enough knowledge, you know, but it was a lot of misunderstanding. But um, today, 
there was like three points I wanted to hit. Well, three questions I wanted us to answer. Right. First question is, what are African prints called in your country? Um, what's the importance of African fashion to your respective country? And what is the significance of African fabric in modern day fashion? So in Congo, uh, we call African prints wax. And that's like the, that's like the high quality fabric. Uh, Benny, I don't know. What do you guys call it uh, in uh, Rwanda? So the regular uh, African print, I think they just have a generic name called Ilitenge. But that's not our trad, mostly our traditional, like, clothing style. Mostly, uh, uh these people wear Imichanana, which is different from regular African prints. But um, we do have wax. People like it mostly in every African country too. Uh, but they end up translating it into waxy, something like that. Well, Shane, you're, you're Ghanaian, right? I know in Ghana, <laughs> I'm a butcher this, but I know in Ghana, in Ghana they call it uh, Ankara. I don't know, did I pronounce that right? Or do you know if I pronounced that right? I mean, it's an interesting thing. Like, I'm Ghanaian, my father's Ghanaian, but yeah. came here in 92. Okay. Uh, yeah, I think during like the Bush administration. So with that, it was like, you know, I really, and plus I've never really been to Ghana before, you know, I never really got mm. to hang out over there. Gotcha. Like, you know, the culture, you know, all that was kind of within the household, you know. Yeah. I, you know, a limited amount of tree. Okay. Um, I got really wrong. <laughs> <laughs> no, I guess for now mm-hmm. it's Ankara, and uh, and I apologize in advance for butchering that because I actually know better. <laughs> We're gonna jump into. I think this is like my favorite question, right? Uh, the importance of fashion to respective countries and their communities. Um, I'm pretty sure you guys heard about me, kind of. Rave and boast about how important fashion is to to Congo, like <laughs> how much we hold that at the center of <laughs> we hold that you know to the center of our heart, you know it's family god, fashion and music <laughs> those are the pillars that are like very important to us, but I think in for Congolese people in terms of like traditional wear um I don't see that being done often. Um, I think a lot of times it's more so like, uh, the women that do like the traditional wear. Um, the men have kind of done away with that. They're more into, um, sapology. I don't know if you guys know what that is. No, uh, it's like dressing up dapperly, you know, is when people do wear. You know, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So it's called, yeah, so it's called a Yeah. So it was influenced by like the Western kind of, you know, dress code and all of that. You know, you're wearing like the name brand shoes, you know, you're wearing like the bright jacket, you know, you're like, you know, the cup. Yeah. You know, and like, uh, it was more popularized by, um, by this artist. Why am I blanking on his name? I'm blanking on his name, but he passed away. Rest in peace. But yeah, it was popularized by him um, back in the day when um, Mobutu was the president and he banned Lissap because he was in that whole 
movement of doing away with any like European influence and he wanted more just like African traditional influence only being worn in the country and all that. But, you know, if you're trying to force a group of people not to do something, obviously they're going to rebel. So they did rebel. And, you know, the SOP became very popular and all of that. But that's like the most, like the most important fashion kind of statement style. You know, in Congo, it's like Sapaloji. And, uh, you know, just, you know, it's like, it's a way of life, really, honestly, when you wear like these bright matching colors, you know, you wear like a pink and a, and a bright green, you know, with some, with some brown leather crocodile skin shoes, you know, you gotta, you gotta cane, you know, you do like this whole, they do like this whole little fashion thing, you know, where they walk around. Yeah, they walk and they stomp with their legs. You know, and they, video of this dude in the village, right? And, you know, it was like, you know, a poor destitute village. It was very plain mm. whatever. But it was like, you know, when he came through in an orange bright suit. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> his, I was like, okay, this is interesting. <laughs> so you mentioned that, I remember thinking in my mind, oh, okay. Yeah. But yes, that's, that's the Congolese. Every let me talk about it. Let me You know would, your fashion. No, yeah, <laughs> that's you know that's be broke, so, broke, broke, broke. Yeah, you be broke. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like you, you spend your last, your last few dollars to look good because that is that important. You know what I mean? And like, um, mm-hmm. I've recently, yeah. I've recently, recently started seeing like more, more women getting into that also. You know, which. Honestly, um, it's, it's good. You know, I like, I like that side of the culture, you know, I like it, but it's also sad because it's like, I don't see a lot of Congolese people in traditional wear anymore. You know what I mean? Like, like, uh, like you look at like Nigerians, for example, you know what I mean? Like when, when they pop out, (laughs) you know, it's traditional wear, boom, you know, Congolese people, when, when they pop out, you know, obviously it's like elegant suits and all that, which is, which is amazing. I love it. But it's like, you know, when, when are we going to like get back to, you know, our roots, you know, and like dressing like the way we're supposed to, you know, but I do applaud the women of Congo for like always sticking to that. But, you know, the men have, <laughs> have yeah, bro, they've done away with all of that. Also, can I challenge your thought process real quick? Mm-hmm. So with that thought process and what you said, just to recap real quick, you were saying how it seems that a lot more people are going for a more modern version of the kind of the African clothing that has been going on. Um, so do you equate going more modern with losing traditional values or is it, or is it you're, you're saying that in order to fully embrace your traditional values, you have to be in that traditional uh, garment. Do you, do you know what I'm trying to go at? I'm not trying to, I'm trying to ask in no. a sense. You understand? Yeah, yeah no, no. Okay, I, cool, cool, cool. I, I think, um, I think for me, what it is, is like, if we look at, you know, what Mobutu was saying, right? Mobutu was the, I'll say, quote unquote, first president, whatever. But, you know, we know who he worked for, but that's not, that's not the point right now. Uh, but if you look at what Mobutu was saying, you know, when he took over and he kind of wanted to do away with that whole movement, you know, he was more so for, you know, sticking to, you know, 
African culture. You know what I'm saying? Because that whole style is influenced by European fashion. You know what I mean? So it's kind of like, okay, you guys are like literally losing your own identity, you know, because you're being immersed in this whole like fashion because it became a way of life. You know, it is a way of life. You yeah. 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 But yeah, but this thing is like, this is what every day, like, you know what I'm saying? Like they do this, they do like the little fashion, fashion walk, you know, all the time. And it became like, that's the thing that you're doing all the time, you know? So it's like, I feel like it's all right. You know, once in a while, you know, you wear it, you know, it's like, if you find a good balance, but I think they just have lost like the whole identity. I can't even lie. You know, um, there's like, I'm glad, like, I still remember like, uh, some traditional wear, you know? And I feel like, you know, if it wasn't for my parents, you know what I mean? Like, I would have, I would not know, you know, anymore, like what exactly we're supposed to wear when, you know, like, cause you know, there's different outfits for weddings, you know, funerals, et cetera, et cetera, you know, but it's like, you know, if I didn't have people that could like remind me like, Hey, this is what we usually do, this kind of thing, then I'll just be sticking to, you know, I'll throw in a suit <laughs> for, forever. And by the way, um, Papa Wimba was the, the artist that I was, thinking about before that um that kind of brought back the whole uh sapology um thing uh but he was also like heavily influenced in like european you know fashion and culture and style so because like um at that time when you traveled as an artist to europe you're seen as like super successful and you were seen as like oh this guy has made it you know because again brainwash because that's how it was made to view like you know, if you tour outside in another country as of like the West or the or North America, you're successful. But but yeah, I don't know if that <laughs> answers your question <laughs> at all. I mean, it's interesting if you think about it, because we not to like get away from topic, but like if you think about like all the other cultures, like, you know, you think about Japanese culture, you think about you know, European culture and all these other different cultures all around. You see, you know, us being in, in America, we see that a lot of cultures is drawn here and not from here to out there. It's a lot of, I don't want to say taking culture. I want to say more is like, oh, that's a good idea. Let's take that. Oh, that's a good idea. Let's take that. So it's interesting you say that because it almost seems like that's also happening over there. Where instead of embracing it and building upon it, it's more of a, ooh, this is like, it's like, it's like when growing up, how we always like wanted like the fresh new kicks or the fresh new iPhone or the fresh new gadget or whatever it was. That's what it seems like. It seems like, ooh, that's fresh. That's hot. Let's go with that. And then kind of like forgetting about like mom and pops. Be like, nah, they'll be fine. I definitely agree. Uh, Benny, I don't know if you wanted to, kind of give like your perspective on this in terms of like Rwanda or like uh, being that you're I'd say you're the most traveled person here in Africa. Can you rephrase the question so that I understand exactly what you're asking for? <laughs> He's asking you for your two cents because you are a brilliant young woman that can eloquently express your opinion on this matter. <laughs> 
the, the question is... I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> the question is, what is, like, what's the importance of African fashion to respective countries and, like, re- like respective African countries, uh, like, respective African communities? I mean, fashion is a part of culture, and we always say culture defines us, right? So, um, when we talk about, first of all, when we talk about fashion, you just don't look at African prints. There's so many other things that you have to look at. Clothing, ornaments, everything that you can adorn yourself to stand out or to even just shelter you, right? That's the fashion. That's the true African fashion. So, if you look at, um, let me say some ornaments, Africans like to use beads for different purposes. Some of them have been used for decorations, um, but also other times, like beads have been used as a as a means of controlling or managing women's waist, right? People use beads as a charming way to get to men. Uh, as when it comes to the African print, it becomes controversial because. This is where I become a devil's advocate because I always go crazy when I'm talking about African fashion and talking especially to my mom when they're like, oh, you're trying to be westernized. And then I'm like, but if you think deep down the works wasn't truly African, but it became African, so can't we make other things also become African? So I used to be like that. But actually, I was today's years old when I found out that what we're calling African prints, mostly these like synthetic ones, not traditionally woven, they were first originated in Asia, I believe in India or Indonesia, where they started doing this printing. Um, during the colonial era, the Europeans went there and they saw that these things were actually nice. So they tried to mass produce them. They used machines, they made a lot of them, and they hoped they would sell it back to the Asian market because they're like, okay, we're now making it in a huge numbers. Maybe people, since they're already trying to work so hard to make them, if they see them in huge numbers, they're going to accept it. But it turned out to be the opposite. So they didn't really receive enough market that they were looking for. But they, uh, when I was reading, it said that when during colonial era and during World War eras, where African men were taken into military in Europe or to go fight, some of them ended up buying this uh, African print, what we're calling now African prints, right? as a gift to give back home to their parents, girlfriends, or friends. And the European, when the European came to colonize Africa, they saw that it, it was really gaining attraction, mostly in West Africa. And we can now see how West Africa usually has a lot of African prints. So when, it gave, when they noticed the popularity, they started saying, like, how can we now taste it if we can have the market in Africa, right? So they went on, mass-produced them, and then brought in Africa, and the market was booming. So what happened, and how did this now Asian-originated print become African? 
is that they notice things that were attractive to Africans. Africans would like bright colors, isn't it? As we talked about Congo, they're going to like orange, purple, those green ones that stood out. You know, we call them highlighter colors, you know. Um, so they started incorporating them into the fabric. And then they also started looking for things that actually had meaning on an African culture. If my country, they like a certain type of birds, so they will start putting birds on the print. Now Africans started embracing the print as our own because now started carrying something that was so traditionally important to us. And then the market became bigger and bigger and bigger. And even after Europeans claimed to have left Africa in the 1960s, the African printing continued on and expanded. In, I mean, it had already expanded to other parts of Africa. But if you look at certain countries, mostly the ones that were colonized by Arab, or if we call them Arab-influenced countries, or uh, the one that has a lot of majority of Indian uh, population, you can also see other like the silk, almost like sari. Like you have seen the Muslim women, the type of like clothing that they wear is kind of almost looking like Indian origin, and it's also the same as the when you when I look at my traditional clothing called Umshanana, which is common in Rwanda, Burundi, and certain parts of Uganda. Um, they kind of almost look like the Indian style, and we believe that's where they're made. But since they've become such a huge part of our tradition, whenever we wear them, we, we make a statement. When I wear Omshanana, I don't need to say I'm from Africa. They'll all know I'm from Africa. When I wear Kente, they're going to know, oh, most of the people when I wear Kente, they're like, are you Ghanaian? You know, I'm not Ghanaian, but actually today I decided to be Ghanaian. So, <laughs> but I'm saying that once we wear this fashion that we have embraced and incorporated in our local tradition, it becomes a part of us. And that's why we try to respect it. And sometimes you hear people being like, stop just stealing our culture, making fun of it. Uh, I think there was even a movement. I don't know exactly the word they use. But basically what I can say, the fashion has become a part of African tradition and it becomes a part of being an African. So once you present, once you go to fashion shows, once you go to a party or wedding, there's things that you have to follow. And dressing is one of them. Um, so, oh, my fault. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead, bro. I was just going to say for anybody that wanted to, you know, I did the work for y'all. Y'all don't have to look it up. I looked it up as Benny was talking. And yes, everything she said is indeed true. Not to not that I was doubting you, uh, Benny. Just in case we have any doubters that are listening in, what she said is accurate and is correct. Um, it did start out uh, like that, and then slowly but surely started towards West Africa, and that's when it spread around and went everywhere else. So I find that to be very interesting because I always thought it originated 
in Africa. So that was that so, was kind of interesting. <laughs> so wait, so you said it originated where India? So some of them like it's between India and Indonesia. Indo- like, Indonesia. Indonesia. That's where that that's yeah. where I was reading. All, all they all said Indonesia. Indonesia. Yeah. So, but one thing though we can see certain um certain African originated fashion like prints. No, I don't call them prints. Most of them are like. Uh, woven like with threads. Like if you look to the true Ankara of the, I think I don't know the difference between Ankara and Kente. I think it's Ankara. The or Kente. No, I think it's a Kente. Um, the true Kente uh, in Ghana is hand woven, right? Yeah. And that might my friend was telling me to just make one of it. It, it takes like a month to do it, right? So when we when I was trying to like incorporate the information I found in what my friend was telling me, I could see why when the European came and we were like, okay, this is something that they like, but it's taking them long to make it, right? So we can actually go and print it. And then they obviously they add in their own things that you can do with hands. Right? I was just gonna say, are you trying to falsify Every single culture that is in Africa, right? Is that what I'm hearing? I'm not I'm kidding. I'm, 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 kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not trying to falsify anything. I just wanted to give, uh, like a background information. Mm. But some people really do question this. Like, is it really an African, like, fashion or African print if it wasn't originated from you? Mm. But sometimes it is. It's just maybe the way we do with the authentic one. Is expensive and it takes way long, right? So they, Western world that has the machines, they can produce, mass produce and then sell it to you. But like, with the way they're doing it, it's not, it's not the actual, not, like, it's not the original print that you're supposed to be getting. It. But regardless, as I say, once they print this thing, they have things that have so much. Influence and so much meaning for an African tradition that we have embraced it and maybe our own. <laughs> Wait, so Shane, right? So you're you're a Ghanaian and Jamaican, bro. So so for you, right? Personally, like, uh, what's the importance of like fashion? You know, uh, I I don't I don't want to just make it like. Uh, just Ghanaian fashion, you know, but like in general. So the importance of fashion to me, it's, you know, at first it was about being accepted, but then later on it was like learning your own identity. And as I grow up and, you know, as I'm growing, you know, older, as I'm 21 right now, I'm just starting to see, you know, how I want to inspire other kids, you know, make it seem like, you know, you can afford this. Like, you can look good on a budget. Like, you can, like, you know, you don't need to wear... I'm not saying you got to be limited or you can't wear, you know, you don't need to think that you have to wear, you know, Gucci or Louis V. Like, you can wear something that's, you know, from here at home that, you know, can make yourself look good. Okay, so now in terms of, like, African wear, how do you feel? Like, what's the importance of that to you? It's a very big importance. I mean, that's the first thing I'm releasing right now. 
coming in 2022 with Kente Call. You know, that's where I grew up in. That's the household. You feel me? Like, if it wasn't for that, I don't know where I would be. That was the first thing that inspired me to go into fashion. So African wear is and forever will be the foremost, you know, foundation. So, uh, <laughs> so you've seen, I, I guess you, you heard of like how I heard about how I felt. You know about like uh, Congolese people and their <laughs> and the way that they're, I guess, in my opinion, doing away with their yeah. traditional wear. Well, what is your take on something like that? Like, like when you hear me say something like that, like, oh, you see, because Luden, like, you know, maybe they're just taking it back. You know what I mean? Or oh something like that. Like, no, no, I just, no. I no. said no one come for Luden. I'm just, I'm just trying to challenge your thought process. I know. I'm just. I'm giving an example. I'm like, you, you gave that. Just guillotine my head off at this point. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. I really don't, you know, being West African, you know, I've taken a glimpse of it. Mm. And from what I can tell you right now is if that's how they're doing it, that's how they're doing it. Because I mm. can't speak from that perspective because I'm not Congolese. And right. I don't really have that much knowledge into, you know, that world. But if that's what they feel comfortable in, that's what they feel comfortable in. If they, you know, want to go back to the roots and mix it up, you know, let them do that. Because everything goes back to the foundation, I feel like. You know, now, you know, we're coming up as, you know, we're going into the 90s, retro, we're going into the 80s. Everything's going to come back sooner or later. So it's going to only take a matter of time before they find out, you know, okay, we should go back to our roots, back to our culture. But for now, you know, let's just do what we're normally doing right now, which is just staying to the song. What do you call it again? Saga. <laughs> you need to say sop, 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 S A P. Yeah, sop. No, but the, 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 I feel like uh, the thing, the thing with like Congolese people is, um, you see how it's um right now, it's hot to be African, right? That's the thing. That's what's hot right now, you know. And it's hot for fucking hot. Right, right, right. I wouldn't right even now. call it hot. I would just call it a fetish at this point. It's really right, what it is. right, right. You know what I'm saying? African music, African wear. Africa, yeah. you know, that's, that's the thing right now, you know, but, yeah. um, and even, even Africans themselves, you know, everybody's very like prideful now of like being African, like, you know, everybody's like, yes, I'm African, you know what I'm saying? And like, they wear their clothes, you know, proudly, you know, with, with a lot of pride, but thing with Congolese people, I feel like there's this, uh, misconception of what their traditional clothing is you know i think i think the problem is like they probably think that you know that type of wear is you know the roots you know what i mean that they and know I, and that's yeah and yeah you know and that's 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 where my point of view is coming from you know it's more so like you know you got the young kids you know in congo right now in both congo you know where's like their you know, they're looking at all these people, you know, that are, that are these sapels, you know, and they're like, oh, okay. So this is, you know what I mean? So this is like our like traditional stuff, you know? I feel like everybody else in Africa is able to balance it. Why can't we balance it? <laughs> I mean, else, if they have, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Yeah. I was going to say, so like if they have like the prints from the, like the traditional African garment into, Modern, I'm correcting me wrong. Modern version of 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 their wear is that not keeping the tradition? If they have the same 
like the same print, just no, styled the differently. They don't, they don't wear the prints. Period. That's that's what I'm saying. The mm. prints, the prints is not being utilized. It's more like it's more women that you see, you know. And again, that's what I always say. Mm-hmm. You know, hats off to women, you know, for always holding it down because <laughs> we is slacking. <laughs> I don't know what's going on, but but yeah, you know, it's very very rare, you know. Yeah. Well, you feel like suits and ties and you know dress pants has to be limited to a European style. That's the issue in Africa because that's why I have being sold as professional. Um, I have it, when you go to like a business area, like environment that they consider business, mostly they stay in government officials or business banks or whatever. Majority of the time, that's what they expect. That's what they think you're going to win. That's what they read. Sometimes it used to be a requirement. So people already have this mind of thinking this is the professional way to go, right? Mm-hmm. It's the same as if, if you look at the uniform, if you're looking at African children, a lot of them are in school. And most of the school in Africa, they require wearing a uniform. But we do have our traditional clothes that they can use uniform from, but they always use a regular white standard uniform, you know? So... A lot of it, as Amy says, we need education on what are we actually selling as the image of professionalism, you know? And, um, but Amy, I've seen a lot of people now starting to embrace, our, like, the style of using the African prints to make suits. And some, not a majority, but some of them actually, even men have started to wear, like, the African print suits to certain jobs. But the issue, I can never, even when I speak to my mom, I don't think she will ever advise me to wear African print suit to go to an interview. You know? Yeah. They will tell you, wear navy blue and black and white, something like the gen- generic white standard style, because that's what they consider professional, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but what makes an African print need to be professional too? It's something that you can never like answer. But as Amy said, West West Africa, especially like Nigeria, Ghana, they like to in Senegal. Senegal sometimes they have these solid powers in in the I don't know the exact name, but like the solid navy blue, no no yeah, ocean no. blue, navy blue, or black or white, and. These are mostly Muslim community, right? Some of them actually wear those as professional and they go to work and people won't say anything about them not being professional because it's like solid powers and all. But if people look traditionally African prints, they're colorful. We like colors. Each color has a different thing. Uh, I usually say like yellow present happiness and sunshine, right? Green presents environment, peace, growth. So when I just see different colors, there's different type of neurotransmitter, if I'm trying to be scientific, that these different things, I think when I look at just one print, I can just feel different type of emotions that come through me, not just show me one solid color. 
yeah, yeah. Nah, yeah, yeah. Now I know what you're talking about. Yeah, um, yeah. but uh, I think to, to answer your, your question before Shane, uh, we asked like, are we limiting suits to just like European like wear? Uh, no, I don't. I don't think that's that's what it was. I think it's more so because like um, we were colonized by Europeans, so like that's how Africans kind of view it. You know, they view it as like that's European wear. You know, so they don't. You know what I mean? So. So that's why, like, uh, a lot of times when I say that and I just reference it like that. But yeah, I think, I think that's also a good point, Benny. Um, Africans being limited to not being able to wear, you know, their clothing to, you know, like everyday, everyday things, I guess, outside, outside of like, uh, going shopping or something like that, you know, but like, you know, work or like business meetings or something like that. But I think outside of Africa, though, because <laughs> I know in Africa, they, you know, they're doing it. Mm. Yeah. yeah. But now, now they're expanding it, but initially. There wasn't? Oh, wow. I didn't no. know. That. I mean, just take an example. Just look at, uh, obviously, majority of our government is made of men, right? Mm. If you survey, no, like majority of the time, people there wear regular suits. When you go to an interview, that's what they expect you to do, mm. you know? Even Imishanana is our traditional program. Everyone, these people have that is one thing that I knew. Now they're trying to come up with a new style of like traditional outfits. Mm-hmm. But initially, um, Shanana, they will look at you crazy wearing it going to a job interview. You know, uh, most of the time they just make you wear a regular suit, they ask you to wear a suit. Um, wow, train of thought, go on. Jesus. <laughs> so actually, actually, I, I know what I was going to say because mm. y'all yeah, were talking about culture and I was actually going to lead into perfect segue. So according to this research that was done, uh, culture is referred to a cumulative deposit of knowledge, experience, belief, values, attitudes, meanings, uh, hierarchies, religion, notion of time, roles, spatial relations. Concepts of universe and material objects and possession acquired by the group of people within the course of a generation through individuals and community. So, if you take if you take that kind of like that definition and kind of like especially like if you take the 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 point that it says notion of time, would you would you not agree or disagree that with time the culture technically by that definition? can evolve into more of an evolution of culture because, and now the reason I'm also going to go, go with that is because in culturally, it was not okay to go to an interview with tattoos, with natural hair, somewhat, sometimes, not all the time, it's still a work in progress. Um, or, you know, uh, uh, I'm, I know I'm forgetting one thing, uh, something else. I think like even like for Disney, like you weren't allowed to have beards or anything like that. Like they were like really specific, like this is what it is. And then over time through culture, you know, that notion of time, that notion of like community, that notion of individuality kind of made it almost push the envelope to become accepted. So could you not say, you know, with what Benny uh Benny was saying about like the interview like over time could you not say that in time don't know how much time you can say you know the African prince um, or a suit of African prince would be deemed acceptable 
for an interview and then to what Amy was saying about how um, it's going away from culture. If you go with that idea, can you, would you di- agree or disagree with that definition that technically it was, it would, it would be an evolving, an evolving form of it in that it wouldn't necessarily be the tradition, but it would be an evolved form of that tradition. Okay. I could, yeah, I'll take that. Um, I think, um, in terms of like, and again, I'm going to specifically only speak about Congo. I don't want to speak out of term for any other country. You know what I mean? But in terms of Congo, right, I think, not I think, I know that's not something that's going to happen. <laughs> Congolese people are stuck in their way. 100%. You know what I mean? And I think, which, look, again, I'm not saying <laughs> that it is bad <laughs> that, you know, everybody wants to be something you know, I'm just saying, you know, let's add on just a tad bit of traditional hair. Right. Just a little bit. I don't, I'm not asking for a lot. I just want a little bit, you know, just sprinkle a little something on top. Like, that's it. Like, that's it, you know. But I think uh, as far as like interviews, I think that's a long way. Like, I don't even think that's going to happen, you know. The natural hair is not even like <laughs> people still get fired. I said somewhat. <laughs> no, 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 no. I know, but I'm just saying that you know people still get fired for stuff like that. You know, for them, for like big corporations, to just be like, oh, okay, yeah, you could come in with your traditional wear. You know, you know how that happens. If they say, oh, you could come in with African wear, then it's like, you know, how how about Indian wear? You know, how about Asian wear? You know, that is like a big thing, you know what I mean? Because that's how kind of like a domino effect of like how things always happen, you know what I mean? But I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm just not, you know, I'm not optimistic like that, but I just don't think you know, I don't see a light at the tunnel, you know? <laughs> I think we're Talking stuck. about being bleak. Goodness <laughs> gracious. I think, <laughs> I think we're stuck. I think we're just stuck. Would it hurt to have a little bit of optimism here? <laughs> No, I think, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I feel like, um, the, the youth of Congo, you know, they've, you know, they're evolving very well, you know, but I feel like any African country, you know, the, the older generation is just stuck in their way, you know, and that's, that's what they know. And that's how it will be, you know, and then you still have some of the offsprings that would, that's going to take that type of ideology, you know, they're going to continue it, you know, but. You know, if they're not gonna do it, I'll do it myself. I'll, I'll stop. <laughs> Amy like I mean, this. I tell you. For those I mean, of y'all who don't know Amy, I already, Amy I already, like that. He's I like, I no one's gonna do it. I'm gonna do it myself then. All right, cool, fine, do it. I have like, I have eight different outfits already. You know, so you know, my tailor, she's tired. She's tired of me because I always send her something new that I want, so. <laughs> I mean, you want, you can start your own clothing line, too. Nah. Uh, that's not work. That's not. <laughs> I do have two, like, two points on your questions, right? As the first one is culture evolution. It's true. Well known in science. Culture evolution is faster than biological evolution. And even while we, we now like embracing and fighting so hard for the African thing, right? Was never our original, you know, in some points, in certain 
tradition was never our original pole. That always comes with my mom, especially when they when it comes to the idea of like, oh, you have to be fully dressed and all. And then I look back way before clothing was introduced. African some tradition we used to wear wools. Right? We used to wear adipose skin. Why are you laughing? I thought she was gonna say we used to be butt naked outside. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why that's what came to my mind. I'm like, I'm like, come on, don't do this. <laughs> like, um, Amy, you need like a ginger ale or a sprite or something. You know, you need soda. But not yet, good to you. Yeah, we used to wear we used to wear animal skin. Before that, children actually most of the time children used to be butt naked. And once you became adolescent, for a man, they'll give you something to cover the down parts. And as a woman, they will start once your breasts start developing, that's when they start giving you the top. So yeah, of course, at some point we used to be butt naked, and then it came. The animal skin, and after we started learning how to do weaving, and uh, not just like uh, cotton, because some people might say cotton is mass produced in, in the outside. Um, they have certain type of weaves that actually people use to use to weave, and they make certain things that would be worn as clothing. So we did have that. But it took way too long for this one type of clothing to become extinct and now the new one that now we embrace to come into effect. And the issue with this one that came into effect is that the European culture is still the dominant culture. So as Amy is becoming pessimistic about it, it's because it's going to be so hard. You know, European control majority of African business. And we still inviting all of them to come and invest in Africa. Most of the time when they're asking for investment, I could say there's a less percentage of black people who are going back to invest in Africa as compared to white people. So most of the big companies are going to be owned by white people. So until the white people accept it, then it's still going to be an issue to actually allow this traditional clothing to be accepted. But as Amy said, um, the women always get away with being more than men. <laughs> so sometimes they do accept women to cover with African things. But when, as I said, when it becomes such like interviews and all we still love it, and um, it's not just Africa. Just traditional clothing is an issue to be brought into the professional world. I think this year, it, I believe this year there was um, one of of the indigenous political um, personnel in Europe that he wanted to attend this parliament meeting. But for him, he came, instead of wearing a tie, wore this, this type of a necklace that traditionally they can wear and put it on top of their white, uh, 
black dresses so they, they instead of him wearing a suit he put it that way and he received a lot of back questions so that's what i'm saying even if we might have big hope for the african people to be accepted in the professional world it's still gonna be a big fight because it's not just an african tradition it's just like the indigenous tradition of clothing and fashion and ornaments and all they're still being prohibited in professional work. But I'm not as much so negative about this as Abby. Abby, have some credit for Kogobis, man. Come on. Oh, come on. Those are my peoples now. Come on. I love them to death. Look, if you you got to be the only one that could be straight up with your family. You know what I mean? Like, hey, look, everybody else, everybody else from the outside is like, no, nah, they're fine. No, I'm the one that's here. I'm the one that's letting them know. You know the honest truth. You know, um, look, Shane. Shane is the you're the fashion designer here, bro. True. So I don't know. I mean, the next point anyway was uh, I guess the significance of African fabric in modern day fashion. And I know, I know you just mentioned that um, in your new designs, you're you're using African fabric. I don't know if you could touch a little bit about that. Maybe just uh, I guess talk about like the the inspiration behind it or like just I guess the the whole idea of how you know your company came about I don't want to make it into like a long draw story <laughs> no yeah I mean yeah it's just something something quick you know yeah, and then yeah. just kind of touch uh, touch on like your your designs I mean it just came up just trying to like you know figure out what I want to do and I knew that you know I was just very invested in sketching you know, knew my pattern, so I was like, you know, why not take this risk? Yeah, so so now as far as like um incorporating African fabric in your designs, like I mean, yes, you're African, so obviously like but like um what's like what's the I guess the thought process? Yes, why? I guess cause it's just second nature to me. Mm. I guess it's just second nature to me. I feel so comfortable around it. My auntie has shops and, you know, I just go inside. The first thing I see is the fabric. So it's just second nature for me to to um, to um start it out right now with African fabrics. It wouldn't just be African fabrics, but, you know, to have this be the first collection I release, you know, I want it to be something where I feel comfortable in making my first stance on, you know, mm-hmm. wouldn't have to be something that I had no idea what I was going to get into. Like, I don't know where I'm going to get these fabrics from, mm-hmm. whereas I know where to get Kente from. I know where to get authentic Kente fabric. Uh, cloth from so it's like yeah it's easy compared to that to like you know my next time I was trying to get some stuff from you know Morocco and it's like I don't know anything about you know Morocco fashion mm-hmm. well like that yeah you know like how to get the patterns how to get this how to get that but you know with me having those kind of connections early on with Ghana uh, Ghanaian fashion it's like yeah you know let me start off with Kente first you know put my tip and toe in there and see what happens mm-hmm. so are all your lines going to be like centered around African wear? Cause like you just mentioned, uh, Moroccan fashion. Is that like, it's everywhere. It's everywhere. Yeah, it's everywhere. My thing about it is like, this is a vast line. Like my thing is I want to take cultures from unappreciated parts of the world mm-hmm. or parts of the world that's not mainstream and put it to life and feeling like put it into, um, to my collection pieces. I know that Ghana is, you know, like I said, I'm comfortable with knowing where my Kente cloth comes from. With uh, Guatemala, that has beautiful patterns, 
not a lot of, you know, you don't see a lot of American fashion really, you know, incorporating Guatemalan, you know, fabrics. The same with, you know, fabrics from Morocco. The same with, you know, fabrics from Japan. Like, I plan on putting that into the mix. So it's mm-hmm. like, you know, let me just try to, like, you know, take little pieces of different parts of the world and try to put it in my collection. Um, So where does the drive come from? Like, I'm sure there's been, like, a lot of hurdles, right? Like, like where is that? Where's the drive to like never like stop or never quit coming from? Like, where do you get that from? Oh, that's a story. Man. I was always with that entrepreneurial spirit. You feel me? Like just yeah. selling cookies and uh, plates and ships at school, and you know, just trying to figure out how to make money. Yeah. You know, um, like I said, I don't know where if y'all know where like the South End is. Like you know, once you pass the Times Union Center. You see everybody trying to, you know, you just see it like it's right there. Like how to make it like how they're, you know, how they're doing. Like, how is this guy making his money? Oh, yeah. He owns the chicken shop. How is this guy making his money? Oh, yeah. He's selling meat right outside of the chicken shop. Like, oh, how is she making her money? Oh, she going to work. Like, it was just always like right there in front of me. Like, I always was just sitting outside the stew, just washing it off, you know, mm-hmm. just being in an environment that I knew, like, um, I wasn't poor, but I wasn't rich. But I knew, like, if I haven't, you know, I just knew at an early age that I had to have that kind of mindset because I knew, like, it could go really good or it could go really bad, you know, depending on how I take it. So let me just try to put all my focus into something positive because, you know, I was doing things I wasn't supposed to. So, like, let me just try to figure it out. And, you know, clothing just became one of them. You know, I always felt comfortable with clothing because I felt like, like I said before, I had oversized diggies. Like, let me just make it sound right. I love my mom. I love my dad. I love my family. Like, when it came down to that fashion, it didn't really, you put the boy on properly. You feel me? <laughs> like, I had to figure it, you know what I mean? But, you know, that kind of inspired me to like, you know, because fashion was like something that at first like, I thought it was unattainable mm. to look, you know what I'm saying? But now as I get older, now as I wear turnips, as I wear, you know, suits, and as I wear all kinds of stuff that I feel like wearing, it's like, you know what, I want, you know, to make younger people feel like that, like, you know, I came from the same environment, like, I know how you're feeling, and I know that you want to stretch, you know, further than just wearing hoodies every day, but let me just show you what I got right here with me, so this is where that kind of drive comes from, just trying to um be inspirational and trying to, like, make something from nothing. Yeah, I feel inspired. <laughs> I feel like I could go I could go run through a wall right now. And now as far as like um people that inspire you, you know, as like as like you're getting like uh, more experience in like the fashion world, like like what are some of your inspirations or like people that inspire you? Carl Kanai, Carl Kanai, Carl Kanai. I feel inspired by Virgil, I feel inspired by Ralph, uh Gianni. Um, all of them, like just learning, you know, I remember, and this is what really changed my life. I feel like I remember like coming home from school, I was looking up, um, you know, I was always like a, like a little nerd, whatever. Like I always just watch documentaries and stuff. I remember like someone upon like this fashion documentary about hip hop and it's called Fresh Dress. It was released in 2015. I feel like it changed my life. It changed my perspective on, you know, just fashion in general. It told me about like how fashion that came up from like the slave you know, that came up from the plantations, you know, emerged into the church, then emerged into the streets, then emerged into corporate America. Now an emergence of what it is today. 
like just seeing those steps being taken. And that's actually the first time I got experiences like April Walker, uh, Carl Kanai and Carl Jones from Cross Colors. Just seeing that, you know, inspired me because these are black entrepreneurs that grew up in the eight, uh, sixties, you know, established themselves in the eighties and was able to turn nothing into something. And, uh, who, who's that first guy you said? Carl, Carl Canal? Oh, Carl Canal. Carl Canal. Yeah, he who? is the originator of streetwear. Okay. Yeah, before three, before off-white, before anybody, it was Carl. And that's why I would feel like, you know, I always pay homage to that because I feel like, first, you gotta know where it comes from. And to know he's from New York, mm. you know, that, you know, inspires me even more. Oh, that's amazing. And actually, uh, shameless plug-in, there's this uh, brand of cl- well, clothing line brand um, that comes out from uh, Brazzaville. It's um, it's called Liputa Swaga. It's kind of like a like a Afro uh, Afro futuristic like uh, brand, and um, it's actually pretty dope. Um, you should check them out on IG. And uh, I think the designer is a lady. Her name is Dawa. I forget her last name, but but yeah, her designs, her designs are pretty dope. They're they're very like it's like it's all African prints, but like a futuristic twist to it, and it's it's pretty dope. Shout outs to her doing an amazing job. Shout out to Shane. Also, bro, uh, what's the name of your what's your what's the name of your brand? Tree 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 Tree. That's fire. That is a fire. That's a fire name. I can't rely. Yeah, I don't know. Any any lights thoughts? <laughs> I have a lighter note and show the good side about Congo because any today really came for his Whoa, I did not come for anybody. <laughs> yeah, so I wanted to shed light to this amazing designer, African uh, African lady, Anifa November. November. Yeah, she's uh, a Congolese designer of contemporary brand Hanifa, and she debuted her latest collection on Instagram Live via 3D models. And this was past one, I believe, ever. And the fact that she had already thought about having a 3D models show. Even before COVID happened, it was very inspirational to me. I was like, you can always think ahead before even an issue arises. Because when COVID happened and everything shut down, she actually used that to, as a message. Um, because she was advocating to shed light on the issues in Central Africa about women and children who are suffering due to the minimum side condition. And we have seen there's a lot of exploitation, young kids being used, mistreated, and underpaid, uh, sometimes assaulted. So she really had a great way to shed light on this issue that is way prominent in Central Africa, especially in Congo, that we have seen. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty dope, though. Yeah, shout out to Congo doing her thing. I read that she was actually, well, she was born in, no, I mean, she came here when she was three, but she was born in Kenya. 
yeah. Her parents are Congolese, though. She's born in Kenya, though. But yeah, I think we had a pretty lengthy and <laughs> very, very good conversation on fashion. We definitely did touch on all the questions and more that I wanted to talk about. Uh, shout outs to the three designers that we mentioned today. First and foremost, the one and only right now we have with us, Shane of Tier Tree. Yes, sir, I got that right. You know what I'm saying? Uh, shout, <laughs> out to, shout out to Miss Anifa Mwemba of Anifa and Tawa of Lupita Swaga. Uh, definitely check them out. Uh, support, you know what I mean? Um, very, very important. Make sure you guys are following us on social media. IG of official underscore next up Africa. Twitter is Twitter is Oh my god. <laughs> Twitter is underscore next up Africa. Someone took the official underscore next up Africa. I don't know who. LinkedIn is next up Africa. And our website is www.nextupafrica.net. Make sure you're checking us out. Y'all know my favorite line. If you guys are listening to us, make sure you leave comments. Five stars, nothing less. So now we've we've reached my favorite part of the show, which is the song of the day. Um, typically, we do this at the end of the of each episode where we have the guest give us uh, their favorite song right now in the time being in the present. So, Shane, what's the song of the day for today? Okay, the song of the day is Slide uh, by her featuring and Chris Brown. Song of the day is coming out of the good old United States. Song is Song is slide. The next time I come on here, no pressure, bro. So, <laughs> Amy, ignore Amy. Amy's just a clown. He can be very much of a clown and likes to pick on people. Song is slide. By her, but make sure you guys tune into the next episode. Um, next steps about dating. It's gonna be funny, very, very funny. Be ready to laugh and enjoy. But yeah, as always, though, until next time, peace.